Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Colton Whitney. Colton, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you are in my area, but uh, why don't you tell our listeners first who you are and where you're from? Yeah. So uh, my name is Colton Whitney. I am from Orange County. We focus primarily on Irvine, Peston, Newport, kind of that central, the Southern OC area. Um, got a, myself, ops manager, ISA model, and uh, now a team of about 10 agents. Six months ago, we were at four agents. So we're in uh, rapid growth mode and trying to catch up to everybody else in this world. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we dive into what you're doing today, what got you into the real estate industry? What was your first exposure to the power of real estate? Um, I had a daughter. I found out I was having a daughter when I was 16 years old. So I wow. kind of put the, uh, what can I do to still be able to earn the living that I want to, I wanted to be an attorney um, more than anything. Um, finding out that I was going to be a young dad. I was like, well, there goes that plans for law school. I need to be able to make a living very quickly. My dad's best friend was a legend in Las Vegas, the guy uh, in real estate and just very successful. One of the most charismatic guys I've ever met. Um, and I just always idolized him as a kid. So I talked to him and I was like, when I was 12 years old and I said, Hey, I want to come work for you. And he goes, eh. he goes, the problem is you're 12. He's like, you can't do that. And he said, talk to me when you're 18. He's like, if you want to be an attorney, I think you should probably take that path. And, uh, so sure enough, um, just constantly kept focus on that was going to be something that I considered. Um, and then when I found out, I was just like, okay, I need to dive into this, uh, full force, got emancipated when I was 17 and started real estate right away. Wow. With heavy motivation behind it, yeah. right? Yeah. Having a daughter and a, a somebody else to take care of other than myself. I got a license and a child at the same time. So that was, a, <laughs> that was fun. Wow. Powerful beginning in the industry. Yes. And now here you are, the mm -hmm. leader and CEO of the McClure Group in Orange County, growing rapidly from four to 10 agents in the last six months. And I'm really interested to find out where you're at as far as transaction volume for your team so that we can then give advice to those that are attempting to achieve that. And that would be the next level. So uh, yeah, do you have metrics for like so far this year or yeah. maybe metrics so, last year? 
So we started actually in Las Vegas and um, did really, really well in Las Vegas. I'm actually in Las Vegas now. Did really well here, but I hated it here. I hated the heat. I hated the the transiency of, of Las Vegas and everything that everybody loves about it. So I wanted to start over and I decided that if I was going to do it, I might as well do it while I was young. So moved to Orange County and kind of reset from ground zero. Thought it was going to be really easy um, because I was like, cool, we're doing 400 transactions in Vegas. We can easily do that in California. California is its own beast for sure. And um, it was very humbling to go into a new market, not knowing anybody. So we started, we've been having 100% growth each year. Um, this year, we're on track to do about 100 million. And last year, we did 50. The year before that, we did 19. So we're, we're growing and we're trying to get up there as quickly as we can, but it's certainly coming with some turbulence. And that's awesome. You went from 400 transactions, which is no slouch. I mean, that's... by the way, let's talk about price points and the time that that was. Yeah. Like you had to do that to put a, a tank of gas in your car and our price points in Las Vegas. So it's wildly different than in, the, in Orange County. Yes, absolutely. One of my top clients is out in Vegas and he does about 300 transactions a year, more now since, I've, since he's been with me. Who is it? Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The radio commercials. Yep, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Everyone knows him. Huge, huge brand out there. And so, you know, to be at that level of 300, 400 transactions in that market is massive. I mean, he's always top 10 listing agent in the state of Nevada. So yeah. uh, that says a lot. And then the ability to then go to a brand new market and start from scratch, that humble, humbling year of just rebuilding, man, what was that like? Humbling <laughs> is the most polite, politically correct way to say it. It was a kick in the ass. Um, and I mean, it, it wasn't easy. When I said we did 19 million and then we jumped up, like before that year one, we sold maybe two houses. And that year of selling two houses, that from going from what we were selling to literally just trying to do anything, we didn't know anybody. So when we were trying to go after that, I mean, God, what a, a, a reality check that it was. And I just realized I had to get unbelievably intentional with just creating relationships and nurturing the relationships. We got very, very, very heavy on online lead acquisition. Um, that was always something that I'm more of an introvert in nature. So online leads was a lot more comfortable for me than having to go door knock and meet people face to face. It was just a really easy uh, thing for me to kind of do. So um, that's kind of the path that we started taking it down. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm very interested to learn more about that aspect of your lead generation because I own a digital marketing agency, right? And so yeah. that was, I noticed a big gap for a lot of brokerages out there was that there were these brokers like Aaron, you know, 20, 25 years of experience, radio, TV, but no digital presence really. No, yeah. you know, Facebook ads that are constantly running, no remarketing, no Google stuff. So I was able to help upgrade that aspect and then they just yeah. continue crushing it. But that was something that I had to like explain to them, sell, do everything for them. So it seems like because you're young and savvy and part of that, that introverted part of you, you like to set up the systems and have more inbound stuff coming in. Yeah. You know, what is your like number one most profitable lead generation source, you know, today other than referrals, you know, that, that like most, online realm. So most profitable is PPC. Um, PPC okay. hands down is the most profitable. We're generating our pay-per-click leads about $8 a lead right now. 
the ones that create the most volume in production for us is our platforms. So Realtor.com, Zillow, we do a lot of business on those. And we're fine with the lesser margin on those because it's a faster path to more transactions, larger sphere of influence. We're really, really good. And we're very, very intentional about making sure that each of those flex deals or any of our realtor.com deals that we can make those leads continue to have babies. <laughs> so yeah. we just want to make sure that for every lead that comes in, we have the compounding interest of being able to get past clients, referrals, that type of thing. But with the PPC, especially now that Zillow has taken the, the pivots that they have and so is realtor.com and everybody's doing referral base, it's 35% off the top. And most people, when you see them, if you look at agents P&Ls and people shouldn't do it this way, but they do, they back out their the referral fee and they don't even show an expense on their PL. And can't really do that because you're replacing a lead acquisition cost with the referral-based model, but you don't forget to see the line item of how much money we're now paying in referrals. I do because it's the biggest motivator in the world for me to make sure that we double down on PPC because mm-hmm. it's just, the, and the challenge with it is, yeah, Zillow and Realtor.com, they convert at such a high level and it's so easy to get the agents to focus on that, but it's really hard to get somebody to buy into, okay, this lead is going to come in. They're going to ghost me for three, six months. I'll finally retarget market to them, finally create a response out of a, and the life expectancy of one of these deals from acquisition close, 600 days. It's trying to get the buy-in of the agent focused on that high, high, high up fruit while they've got all this low hanging fruit. So we've had to implement ISAs to do that nurturing for them so that they can focus on the low hanging fruit. And then once we can shake that stuff down till it becomes low, agents will take that stuff with the PPs. And that's, I think, one of the big keys of your team, I noticed right away on your website. The first photo from left to right of your team is you. And I'm pretty sure the second photo is lead ISA, right? He <laughs> Having, is the engine. Yeah, that is yeah. the engine that makes all of the prospecting and nurturing happen on a consistent basis you know, five days a week, all the time, just like constantly just reaching out to those leads that are bad or dead or agents just write off because they're top of funnel. It yeah. just means they're top of funnel. That just means they're 12 months out. It's not a bad yeah. lead, right? Yeah. They're just not ready yet. So I like how you have that system in place internally, yeah. right? You have an internal native English speaking local ISA that just seems like she calls all day, yep. right? That's the key. And nothing is wrong with anybody from the Philippines. Like, let me be very clear on that. I have they're, Philippines they're, VAs. Yeah. They're, they're, fantastic. Awesome. they're amazing. We have some that work on the internal operations piece of what we do, but they do not understand the local market the way that Brittany does. They do not. And now we're in the process of hiring a second ISA. And it is by far one of the most difficult roles to fill. Um, so, I mean, it's a three to a six month process to find somebody who's going to be really, really, really tremendous. But again, they're great. But Brittany knows where Huntington Beach is in a geographic location to Newport. She has the ability to articulate to somebody the differences between your Belinda uh, and many and the distances between there. Because when you look at a map and we have all these people coming in from New York and you look at the migration, but like when they're looking at a map, LA and Orange County are the same thing. They don't realize it's a three, four hour drive (laughs) sometimes with traffic. So just having somebody with the local knowledge and somebody who understands the different school districts, you have to have that. And you can't get that from a, from a VA in the Philippines. It's somebody local. They're amazing. They know the area and it's going to create a better relationship with the people that they're communicating with. 
So what would you say is the number one trait you're looking for when you're hiring a local in-house ISA? Inquisitive, curious, empathetic. The biggest challenge, because we did this and us implementing the things that we've implemented was not by some genius design. Like we royally screwed this up to a point where we've just dummied our way into figuring out what we can do to make it better. Um, so we've lost just a ridiculous amount of money figuring out how to do it. But it was impossible to get agents who are getting leads that are ready and able to transact to focus on somebody who's like, yeah, you know, we're just kind of curious. And getting an agent to really dive deep into that conversation, well, what had you curious? Or somebody who's like, eh, I'm just looking. Well, what initially had you looking? What's got you looking at real estate? Like, you can't even get them to get that deep into the conversation. And agents are geared very, very, very differently than an ISA. Agents want somebody who is responsive. They want somebody who is ready to transact. And they don't want to waste time, in quotations, getting somebody and earning the relationship and earning the trust with somebody to become the person that they think of when the time is right. And a really good ISA has a deep understanding that when this person comes in and I make that initial contact, this is an exploratory call. There's no prep. There's no sales. There's no anything. We're literally just asking tremendous questions and develop a deep connection with somebody like, well, here, you'll listen to calls from an agent and you listen to calls from an ISA and an agent. They're like, oh yeah, we've got kids and you know, a big backyard is important to us. And like, oh, awesome. What price point are you trying to keep it with it? Versus an ISA is like, oh, tell me a little bit about your kids. Like they'll stop, they'll slow down, they'll listen to those questions and they'll spend 10 to 15 minutes talking about their kids and talking about what motivates them. Because if, if you want to influence somebody, you have to find out what's motivating them. You can't just guide somebody to the end result that they're looking for without first having a deep understanding of what's motivating them to transact in the first place. And an ISA has an amazing ability to do that. Yep. And the first trait that you said, although the others are valid and have a lot of merit, was inquisitive. Yeah. So important. And yeah. I really appreciate you deep diving into that because... I think that as online lead generation continues to expand as more and more teams either step away from the, the big portals entirely or reduce yeah. the spend and start to invest in their own marketing, ISA is going to be a more vital role than ever because online leads, they just, you need to talk to them differently than a referral or a Zillow lead. It's yeah. not the same. They're at a different phase of the funnel, a different conversation needs to happen. So really appreciate you diving deep into some script examples and that made it very vivid. And, uh, you know, hopefully a lot of my listeners took some of those nuggets of like slowing it down, <laughs> listening, way, way down. mirroring, like yeah. just letting them talk. Like, you know, the, the more the minutes go by, the deeper the relationship is getting right. It's if so hard as, as an agent to do that though. <laughs> you, of course it we all want the same thing. And I totally get it because I'm in a spot where you're like, I need this transition to be able to live. Like I need this person to want to connect today. Like we've all come to that point. Um, we've all been at that spot in our careers. And if you remember Tom Ferry probably eight ago, was like, if you're not doing video, you're already behind. And now you see how video has just completely transformed. In my opinion, if you are not using an ISA model, you are so far behind. And in order to be competitive, because again, our profit margins went way down with this referral-based pricing. And then you turn on and like people are like, well, I'm not going to spend all this time calling all these people because we track when a lead comes in, how many contact attempts does it take before we get a hold of them? With our PPC leads, it's 16. 
And not only that, we also track with phone calls and text messaging. If we take a thousand leads and we put a phone call cadence on them, and we take a thousand leads and we don't call them and we just use text message automation, is there a difference in conversion? Because we've always said you got to call, 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 call. There is 0.0% difference in our conversion on our PPC when we removed phone calls from the equation. There's a 0% increase in conversion. So why are we calling? So we've completely turned them off. It doesn't mean you're not calling your leads. It's just you're allowing the automations to do the heavy lifting for you to create the responses out of the leads in the database. And then we start calling and reaching out to the people who respond to us. I think the challenge that we focus as agents on PPC and why so many people are unsuccessful with it is we spend so much time trying to turn shit into gold that we let our gold turn into shit because we're putting all of our bandwidth on everybody. We refuse to take a no and like take the no's and search for the yeses. That's not something original. I'm stealing that from the 4,000 people I've heard it, but we know the majority of those leads aren't going to transact. So allow the automations to create the ones that are and then focus on them because those are the ones that become higher quality like the Zillow leads, but the automations have to get them to that point. We're capturing them before they get to the portals. That's the whole point. We're catching them upstream. upstream. Yeah. We're catching them before they get to the portals and before the portals sell us back our clients. I just had one of my PPC leads get sold back to me through Flex. (laughs) It made me sick. Um, however, they did just change that, fortunately. And if you can prove it was your client before, they're not charging you a referral fee on it. So thank you, uh-huh. Zillow. <laughs> nice. So I'm curious what you're doing on social. I mean, you mentioned PPC is super profitable and I get that. I mean, PPC is profitable. Yeah. What are you doing on social? We just, if you talked to me six months ago, I never had anything on social ever. Um, <laughs> Uh, just because I don't like it, I told you I'm introverted by nature, which people don't believe because I can fake it and stuff like this. But if you put me in a bar, I'm going to sit in the corner and not talk to anybody. Um, <clears throat> so we started realizing as we are trying to grow the team, the best way to attract the type of agents that we're looking for is by peeling back the curtain and letting people see who we are as a group um, and seeing who we are as a team and seeing what our culture is because we're not for everybody. Um, however, our team is very close. People have been on the team for seven plus years. We've got people like everybody who comes in that stays past our first 90 day trial period, they don't leave. So we started putting on social, my buddy, Mark Pattison, who you've uh, recently interviewed, he's the king at it. And he was like, if you want to attract the people who you get along with, let them see who you are because the people who are interested, it's because they see exactly who you guys are and that resonates with them. So we started getting more, um, posting a lot more on social. Um, doing videos, nothing house related. Like there's not a single home on anything, anywhere on my house. You'll never see me put a just sold other than on stories for agent recognition on my team. Um, And we get more client calls off of that than anything. Um, But also it's just for building the team and trying to uh, attract agents to the team. So we just hired Zachary Faust. Are you familiar with him? No. Zachary Faust, he's got 1.6 followers on uh, TikTok. He's the number, he has over a billion views on his content. Anybody who doesn't know, go pay attention to him. He is the king of social media right now. Uh, Tom Ferry just had him on uh, speak at the main stage. I just hired him as our social media coach and we had our first call with him last week. So stay tuned. Hopefully our social will get better. (laughs) Amazing. 
Well, love to hear that. And I'll definitely keep in touch with you about, you know, what he suggests, especially for TikTok on real estate, because a couple of years ago, I ruled out TikTok based on the demographics. But now I hear that transactions are beginning to really churn from TikTok and their ad platform is very similar to Facebook ads. So imagine, you know, all the success of Facebook ads over the years, except no one's on it, right? Like you can go run TikTok ads right now with almost no competition. So uh, very interesting to stay on the cutting edge. You know, once again, a lot can change in two years. So two years ago, I, I didn't suggest it as a platform to invest in from a real estate standpoint, but now I'm hearing more and more the oh, TikTok yeah. term and, and the reality that not only are there tons of millennials who are in their prime buying years, but there's also a lot of users on there that have parents, right? <laughs> then maybe they make a little referral and suggest a, a specific agent. So super curious. I'll be uh, hitting you up about that. Yeah, for sure. He's been just in our first coaching call. Unfortunately, this is what we've done. It's just people want to know you. People want to understand who you are. Yep. Look at people who, like I watch the people who I follow. It's none of the cheesy, like very well scripted and polished people who refuse to say shit because they think it's inappropriate to... I guess, sorry. <laughs> um, it's but it's like, find the people who resonate well with you and those are going to be your tribe. That's going to be your people. And that's who you're going to do well with in a transaction. Like we've noticed since implementing it, the type of people that we get from it are the people who become our friends after the transaction. Um, the people who, <laughs> it's funny, my, in my agents like, good. The amount of clients that are saying, I love you at the end of a conversation, and I'm saying it back like openly and willingly because I genuinely love these people and we've created such a deep relationship with them. That's cool. Like, that's what makes this business fun. Um, and I think social media has just been a good uh, uh, accelerant for that, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And preach to the choir, but love to hear it said back to me because social media is super powerful if it's done right. And really, it just boils down to authenticity. Yeah, for sure. So, I'm curious in your entrepreneurial journey, you know, what the single most important action has been that you've done on a daily basis, which has attributed most to your success. I uh, ask that because this whole podcast is about actions, right? Like what are the action items for success? So we, does something come to mind? Yeah. I mean, we completely got out of our own way by like, there's nothing that we have implemented that we have created 100% on our own. We have become unbelievably intentional. Like there, we had a, something to happen. I was in a lawsuit for three years and it really dismantled us. It was a thing with legal fees and it was just one of the most expensive processes that we've ever gone through. And it damn near bankrupted us. When we came out of that, I was like, I have to make up for three years of lost time. And the best way to do that is by finding people who have already achieved what it is that I want to achieve and asking them how they did it. And what we immediately found was people who are really successful love to talk about what made them successful. So we started like Mark Pattison, Kyle Whistle, Daniel Beer, Robbie, Treth, uh, Robbie T out of Hatch, Eric Hatch, like all these people from all over the place that I just reached out to because I know who they were in the industry and I respected the hell out of them. You call them and they take your call and they're willing to spend a ton of time with you. So the most intentional thing that I do on a daily basis is I just listen to other really, really successful people. And then we implement and execute everything that they tell us to do. We've got a list. My ops manager hates me <laughs> because anytime we go to any of these events, I come back with an action item list and we're just really good at implementing and executing. So one, surrounding ourselves with people who are willing to share, who are more successful than us, 
But two, and the most important thing is making sure that we are implementing and executing the things that we're learning. Because if we're not, you're just going for entertainment purposes. Like if you go, it's so funny, you go to these big events and you got 12,000 agents there and you got people giving you a playbook and then they walk away from it and they don't implement a single thing. Right. It's like, what's the point? You just went and watched a movie. <laughs> That's it. Have to implement. I like your action item list and you know, not everyone has an ops manager, but go put your ops manager hat on when you get back, prioritize it, and then say, this is what we're doing first. Yeah. I was my doing this month. Right. Yeah. I was my office manager forever. Um, I was my ISA forever. I was my, right. uh, I, we were all that stuff. I was my showing partner forever. And we've just slowly started implementing new pieces um, that have made the business more profitable, that have freed up more of my time. It used to be, I was working like 18 hour days and I didn't wear it as a badge of honor. I was embarrassed because it just showed me that I didn't have a business. Now I sell lots of houses without ever showing a single house because I use the showing partner model. It's 38% more profitable. We've got an ISA who said it just, it's taken, it's been a long evolving process, but as long as we just continue taking baby steps forward, the business becomes easier and a lot more fun. Mm, Love that. So throughout your journey, you know, what are one to three books that have helped to really influence your life career? I hate reading. (laughs) I read the audio book, could be a podcast, whatever it is. Truthfully, I... There really isn't one. The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, that was probably the first book that really made me realize that this needs to be run like an actual business. Other than that, uh, my influences strictly come from content that's put out there by all the people out there who are sharing it. And that's my content. Like I don't have the patience because I, I, I do. I read constantly, but I don't retain anything. Like it, I, I'll get three chapters deep and I'm like, what did I just read? So definitely have some ADHD. <laughs> so it makes it really difficult for me to learn that way. But if you put me in a room or listening to a podcast like this, I can sit down, take the action item notes. And that's what I do. That's the most successful for me. I was a horrible student in school because I couldn't learn and listen to a teacher speak. I graduated two years early with straight A's when they allowed me to do it at my own pace. And I did independent study and I was able to learn my way. So I graduated two years early, but I had to do it on my own. I couldn't do it by listening and reading out of a textbook. Right. And that's the answer you're looking for, but yeah, that's that's important self-awareness to know how you learn. And, and one thing that you've said throughout this entire podcast, which I've definitely noticed is different terms and viewpoints of your brokerage being a business. Yeah. And what's different from that and many of these conversations that I have where the broker is generating 80% of the transactions and still going on listing appointments all the time. And, you know, they are still acting as an agent and they haven't let go of that. I think that all of them would love the benefits that you're experiencing, but they're having trouble breaking out. And maybe it's a trust thing. I don't trust anyone with my sellers or my past clients. Maybe it's a lack of systems or processes, but what advice could you give to that high-performing team, but 80% of the transactions are still funneling through not just the broker's license, but his or her energy, right? And time. Yeah. Like what, what advice can you give to that high-performing team leader to step in yeah. and make it more of a business? That was us because two years ago, I was probably 90% of our production, uh, probably two and a half years ago. And each month, like I get 
unbelievably excited because I'm trying to get it down into the single digits, but I have a showing partner. So I'm still technically in production, but it's my showing partner who meets with our clients. Um, I think the biggest thing is, and I, I just had this conversation with one of the best agents here in Las Vegas. It's like we, and he agrees. He's like, I want, I'm just tired of having to be the face. And I'm tired of having to take the nine, 10 o'clock PM phone calls. And I'm tired of it just all being on me. It's like, change it. <laughs> they don't need you. Um, everybody thinks that your clients aren't going to want to transact unless they get you. It's you that I need and nobody else. My agents are way better at me than at what I do. The key is I just have to find the right people who are better. My mm. ISA is a way better lead converter than I am because I waited and I was timely and we, were, we waited until we found somebody who was really going to excel at that role. And she does it better than any of us. So as soon as we can get out of our own way, put our egos behind us and realize that they don't need you. Like when you check into your doctor, your doctor is not the one who's signing you in at the front desk. Your doctor is not the one who's taking your temperature. Your doctor is not the one doing pretty much 90% of the activities that happen from the day you walk through that door. Dude walks up at the end, looks at a chart, gives you a prescription, then you walk out. My attorney through the process, I talked to that guy like four times. The entire time it was paralegals and there was people doing the heavy lifting and the person who I was paying the highest and best use for, he came in for the important parts of the transaction. Diagnosing, or if you're an attorney, doing the negotiations and actually making the decisions on the file, you don't got to push paper. You don't have to do any of that shit. It's not your highest and best use. So as soon as we start leveraging people who are better at us at what we do, it increases and it helps you make more of an impact with more clients more effectively. And it just gives you a better overall peace of mind. I can finally leave my office. I haven't been in my office in three weeks. Um, I've had family emergencies, been traveling back and forth. My office is, and we're growing week after week after week. It's because when we have the right people in place who are doing the work for us. No, I love that. And it really is true that as you grow and you understand all these different parts of the business, it becomes more and more important to replace yourself in each small aspect of the business because there are people out there that would love to do the aspects of your business that you hate. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, why not provide that opportunity to them and level up? Right. So it's a simple concept, super hard to do. I very wish, hard in execution. And it's a model that's not nearly as popular popular as it is because we like to people who are trying to build teams, and even if you already have a team and you're looking to grow that team, one thing like we we see it constantly. My team sucks, my agents aren't doing this, my agents aren't doing that. It's like each and every time, like it makes my skin crawl and someone's like, Oh, I can't get my agents to do this, and I can't get my agents to do that. And then you look inside their operation and they don't have standards set. They don't have training implemented that actually set. Like you can't tell somebody what to do and expect them to know how to do it. My coach was really the best advice I ever got from my coach was he said, Matt, are you a golfer? No. Okay, perfect. If you are trying to become a golfer and I gave you two options, you can one, you can watch a thousand hours of Tiger Woods back when it was good. You could watch a thousand hours of YouTube video of him swinging and training tutorials and blah, 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 blah. Or I give you one hour with Tiger, with him sitting there with you, watching your moves, watching your swings, adjusting your pit, like adjusting your hips, your swing, your position, everything that makes a good golfer a good golfer. You think you would be better by spending an hour with Tiger giving you the adjustments or a hundred hours of just being able to watch YouTube videos. Well, all day long, it's having an actual coach there give, making the adjustments, helping you become better. All of us have our agents, but most of us don't even do this. But for the teams that do have training, 
you show your client, and if you have a real, we have a university that we built. So you show them the videos, you tell them exactly what to do, and then you say, okay, go do it. So you expect them to watch you, and then you expect them to do it the exact way that you do. And the best thing my coach taught, and it made the biggest difference in the world in the happiness of my agents, the on-ramp for being actually a productive agent, is they watch me, then we watch them, then they can go out and do. Everybody skips that, we watch them. So like when you join our team, you do a bot, you watch us do five buyer consultations. Then we listen to you do five buyer consultations and you will be amazed at how differently the five that they listen to, how differently they execute on the first one that they do. But by sitting in and listening to it and listening to that recording, Hey, don't forget, you're supposed to do this step, this step, and this step. Here's what you're supposed to say here. Then on the second one, they've implemented it and they're executing it better. By the third one, it gets 50 to 60% better. On the fourth one, they're nailing it. On the fifth one, they're perfect. They're on their own. Now we send them off to go do the work. We all skip that important step of just listening. And then you blame the agents. And it's like, dude, they're fault. You didn't train them properly. So if they suck, it's because you suck. So we just mm-hmm. realized that I sucked. And we had to get better in our training and our processes to make sure that we're giving them a foundation that allows them to accelerate and grow. And we weren't, and most teams aren't. Wow, that's powerful. And I believe that builds a lot of value in your team for newer agents or agents that have been in the business for a while, but they've never really taken off or succeeded on a different brokerage because so many agents are left behind and they don't feel supported and they don't feel like that field training has happened. In my recruiting background, that was called field training. And it was a critical aspect. It was written into the training. Here's your three-day seminar. Here's your fast start for your first week or two. And then you're going to go on field training with top reps, you know, at least once or twice a month until you really get this thing down. And I thought that was so genius. And I mean, it's a 70-year-old company. No, no brainer, right? <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yeah. So, um they know that, you know, a lot of knowledge, quick implementation, like massive action, make a ton of mistakes, just go try and follow the script and just blow through it. Realize that you don't know it all and and you have a lot to learn. Get a ton of no's and then, hey, here's the advanced training, here's the field training, right? And there's ongoing like response where a top rep goes and sits with you and watches your demo in a house. (laughs) right? How nerve wracking, but how amazing, right? Because then, like you said, second time, it's significantly better. Third time, significantly better. By the fourth or fifth, they got it. They're on their way. Yeah. The model that we implemented that takes that same approach is that showing partner model. Um, One, buyer's agents are fantastic. And I love growing our buyer's agent side of things. Two, what we learned though, is you can continue to grow and you can recruit and you can bring on great talent but there's always going to be a diminishing return on conversion when that happens. So we've implemented the showing partner model. So she comes in, she shadows, we introduce her as my partner. She's the one that goes and shows the properties. Anytime there's a negotiation or a question, she involves me at that point, but she's able to sit with me. And she texted me this morning. She's like, I, cause one of the agents like, don't you wish you were just a traditional agent? She's like, no, I'm paid a base salary, paid bonus to more than half of my agents. Cause she's working based on my conversion, but she's doing the heavy lifting for us. And uh, she gets to do it for an entire year before she graduates into being a buyer's agent. It's what my coach has, has built the solid core of top producing real estate agents because they're forced to be in training for one year at a time. And it's just been an incredible model. We're excited to start scaling it with my top producing agents. I love that. 
And you mentioned Mark Patterson, you know, part of his model is training through the ISA program. So, you know, the agents actually start internally converting leads and some really love that and stay there. But the goal is like, you really teach them a lot on the phone. You start to then slowly expose them over that first six months or a year to going out on buyer consults. And then, you know, once they're then comfortable, they become a buyer's agent. And then once they're crushing it there, they start to get exposed to listings. And it's like this ladder that makes yeah. sense where there's, there's overlap of experience and it builds the foundation. You know, that's so different from, you know, having either a brand new agent come in and like, here's the videos or having someone who has seen some success, but now they're switching brokerages and just assuming like, all right, go crush it. Right. I'm going to yeah. motivate you in the morning with, with the meeting and what I sold. Now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go be made motivated. Look what I just did. Right. So different to really care enough to, to have the right training in place and to spend the time because it does take time to do that. But then you're able to truly duplicate the best versions of yourself and offer it to them as tools to go succeed with you, you know, the on your behalf. That, the time that we're talking about though, because I always tell people this, Mark's become one of my best friends and I just was watching how fast that guy grew. It's, it's insane how fast and how successful that guy has become in such a short period of time. It They're is. like the top producing agents who have been in the business for 20, 30 years. Mark's been in the business for six and he's crushing all of them. And it's because he is a, a relentless executor. He will throw shit at the wall. Like it, it's so funny because he was what he taught me. And it's what has been the catalyst to our growth is he is like, stop overthinking it. Just put it out. And then I'll be like, well, what do you think? This name or this name? And he'll send me back. It doesn't matter. Pick one. Mark, by the time it took you to text me, it doesn't matter. You could have just told me what you're, he's like, stop, stop overthinking it. Just release it. And I hung up the phone. And I was like, fuck, he's so right. <laughs> it's like, what's, what's the difference between these two names? They're both great. Does it really matter in the consumer's eye? No. And it, it, Mark has just been insanely good at releasing version one and then immediately creating version 1.1, version 1.2, version 1.3. And when you listen to somebody like Mark, I always have to stop and tell people because I see their faces and like, oh my God, look what he's doing. I'm all the way back here. I'll never be able to do this. And it's like, he created version one. Don't convert, compare your version one to his version 10, but create your version one and get it released and get it implemented because your perfect unimplemented plan is going to get its ass kicked by our shitty implemented plan. And he has just been relentlessly, <laughs> like for me, he's just beat that into our head. So everything we release, it's horrible on the first one that we do, but then we just quickly perfect it as we go. And uh, I think it's one of the most important things because anytime we start growing, I talk to him, I'm like, look, here's what we did. And he's like, oh, cool. Yeah. I've doubled my production since we last spoke. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> but it, it's fun to be able to start chasing that and start implementing the way that they do. And it just, it works. It grows. It does. And he's the same way where he doesn't implement something that hasn't already been done by someone else, right? So it's not like he's dreaming these things up and they're just magically occurring. He's basing it off of real strategies yeah. that are working, right? And then he's seeing if that works for him and his team. And then if it doesn't, quickly move on or iterate it and innovate it and keep moving. And just that urgency of action I think is a critical aspect of being successful today because things are moving so fast. Yeah. If we have something that we want to implement it, we implement it that day, or we'll at least initiate it that day. Like the procrastination of waiting and trying to get all it, we've just stopped doing that. And it's been the reason that we're starting to grow. And we got all that from him. Amazing. Yeah. That's pretty well, cool. 
I'm curious if there's a question that I should have asked you or if there's anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier. I think you've nailed it. I can't think of anything that you didn't cover. I'm sure there's probably tons and I hope hopefully I did a good enough job of explaining it. It makes sense in here, but often when I look back to these, I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> um, but no, you've done awesome. I think you've got a great podcast. I've learned a ton from it in the interviews that you've had on here. I appreciate what you're doing. It does make a big difference. If there is, like For everybody who's listening, just find the one thing. If there's anything that we talked about that you think would benefit your business and help you grow, pick that one thing and implement it today. Like Initiate the process immediately today. Um, if there's anything that we did touch on that you want to ask questions on, please call me. I'm always available. Um, look me up, 949-424-9975. Text me. I'll be happy to talk with you any way we can. Amazing. Thank you so much, Colton Whitney, everyone. Orange County based and <laughs> crushing it. We're definitely going to go get a drink and catch up when you get back in town. It was great to meet that. you. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.